0: You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If
1: you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for
2: sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the
3: Savage Lovecast. The next few weeks, the next month and a half are going to be a bumpy ride for me, for personal reasons. You see, I tore my rotator cuff again, my left one this time, and I was supposed to get surgery this week, but my surgery had to be canceled and rescheduled for six weeks from now, which is not ideal because using my left arm hurts, not using my left arm hurts, sitting up hurts, laying down hurts, watching TV hurts, sleeping hurts, doing anything hurts. How'd that happen? How'd I tear my rotator cuff? I blame wokeness. It wasn't a bike accident or a fall snowboarding or lifting weights. Wokeness. If wokeness can cause banks to collapse, it stands to reason that wokeness could cause one or more of the muscles and tendons that anchor my left arm to my shoulder and allow me to lift and rotate my left arm to suddenly detach themselves. Anyway, when you're not feeling so great, which I am not right now, what do you want? Comfort. 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 Food, comfort shows, your most comfortable clothes, warm, comfortable, familiar things to eat, watch, wear, and talk about. I got to talk about something at the top of the show this week, and there is a lot out there I could talk about. Donald Trump's impending indictment. Today could be ITMFA day, indict the motherfucker already day. That could happen. I could talk about that. I could talk about Wyoming being the first state. To ban abortion pills, and good luck with that, Wyoming. If blue Illinois can't keep guns from pouring in from red Indiana, red Wyoming isn't going to be able to keep abortion pills from pouring in from blue Colorado. Or I could talk about what Diplo said about getting blowjobs from men. Not gay, says Diplo, so long as you don't make eye contact. But to talk about what Diplo said, I would have to go ask my husband who Diplo is. And i Don't wanna talk about Diplo. I don't wanna talk about Trump or Wyoming or explain to a straight guy that keeping your eyes shut can't no homo a blowjob. I don't even want to talk about how Donald Trump, as I sat down to record this, took to Truth Social to call Ron DeSantis a pedophile and a groomer and a fag. No, what I want, what I need is something to talk about that's basically conversational comfort food for me, something that makes me feel warm inside, chicken soup for my perverted soul, maybe even something that restores my faith in humanity, or one article of my faith in humanity, that article being, if you can fit that thing into a butt. Someone, somewhere, sooner or later, is going to put that thing into a butt, whatever that thing is, however ill advisable it might be to put that particular thing in a butt, that thing is going to wind up in a butt. So, thank you, Chris, Savage Love listener, for directing my attention over the weekend to a story I somehow missed in the run up to Christmas last year. A story about a military shell that is a Bomb, a great big bullet shaped bomb, two inches wide, eight inches long, that wound up in a butt. Right before Christmas, an elderly French gentleman showed up at a hospital and informed the staff that he had a bomb in his butt that he could not get out. As a general rule, if a story sounds too good to be true, or if, in this case, a story sounds too much like something a straight boy would make up to gross out his friends to be true, It probably isn't true. But this one, this one is true. Snopes.com, the definitive internet reference source for researching urban legends, folklore, myths, rumors, and misinformation. Snopes dug into it and they confirmed it. Jordan Lyles, a reporter with Snopes, has the story, a story with the now immortal headline. Did an 88-year-old French man stick a World War I shell in his anus causing a hospital evacuation? Betrich's Law of Headlines tells us any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no, not this time. The answer to this headline that ends with a question mark is yes. An 88-year-old man showed up at a hospital in Toulon with a shell, a bomb, a 100-year-old World War I bomb in his butt which led to the hospital being evacuated in case the bomb in this guy's butt exploded, which old bombs sometimes do. Bombs from World War I and World War II, which are still buried all over Europe, usually in the ground, sometimes in butts. The center of London was evacuated in February of 2020 after construction workers found an unexploded bomb. a German bomb dropped on London during the Blitz that weighed more than 500 pounds. It was diffused, it didn't explode, no one was hurt. And it should go without saying, it was too big for a butt. Anyway, this guy in France and the shell lodged in his ass, I'm going to crawl out on a limb here and guess that it wasn't his first rodeo. That this wasn't the first time that old man put that old bomb in that old ass. Sometimes people do reckless and unsafe things that could end badly for them. And they kind of know it could end badly for them, but then it doesn't. And then they tell themselves that this reckless and unsafe thing they did was safe or safe enough to keep doing. And that's how you end up in a hospital with the bomb in your ass. You put that shell in your butt and get it out of your butt without a problem when you're 28 and then you're still doing it when you're 38, 48, 58, 68, 78. And then one day you wake up and you are 88 years old in a hospital explaining to the staff while the rest of the hospital is evacuated that you're sure it's not a live round, that you're sure it won't explode. But they evacuate anyway, because they're not going to take your word for it on a point of safety. You are the guy, after all, who put a bomb in his ass. You don't have a lot of credibility where safety is concerned. Lyle's report at Snopes goes on to say that the bomb was removed successfully, but not through the door it came in. After a demining unit, after a bomb squad examined the patient and the bomb and determined the shell was not in fact a live round and that it wouldn't explode, quoting from Lyle's report here, doctors and nurses removed the shell with surgery, retrieving it through the patient's abdomen. Once again, flared bases, people, without a base, without a trace, and while pervertibles are great, common household objects that can be used as sex toys, or in this case, a uncommon household object. Pervertibles should not be confused with insertables. Don't put things in you that weren't designed to be insertion toys. Or you could wind up having what sounds a lot like a C-section in an evacuated wing of a French hospital to remove a thing that could go up your butt, but a thing that shouldn't have gone up your butt. All right. Thank you to Chris for sending that story along to me. Man, did I need it. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro Savage Love cast, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and some ads. And on the magnum Savage Love cast, which you can subscribe to at savage.love, more of your cues, more of my A's, no ads, and comedian, actor, and podcaster Paul Shear. From Veep, Black Monday, Big Mouth, Star Trek, Lower Decks, and now History of the World Part Two, Paul Shear joins me. We talk about the Oscars and the future tense because we spoke right before the ceremony, and we talk about noisy sex, belly fetishes, and all those rabid, horny Star Trek fans who've been sliding into Paul's DMs lately. All that coming up on today's show. This episode of the Savage Lovecast is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipseystoriescom savage. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. This episode is brought to you by Helix Sleep, the best mattress for your individualized comfort. Right now, my listeners get up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash savage.
4: Hey, Dan and everybody. The other night, I had some nipple suction toys, I don't exactly know what they're called, on my nipples, and after a minute or two, I noticed that I had lactated into one, and I'm not pregnant, so what's up with that?
3: If you use suction toys and use them regularly long enough on your nipples, on your tits, you might begin to lactate. But it's extremely rare. That would be a very rare superpower you've got there if you're lactating just from using suction toys alone. Most people, women who aren't pregnant and wish to lactate, have to do rounds of hormones, hormones that would naturally kick into gear if a person was pregnant, in order to induce lactation. The Mayo Clinic says inducing lactation usually requires considerable dedication and preparation, and even then, with all that dedication, preparation, and hormone injections, it's not always possible. But you know what can cause lactation in someone who's not pregnant? Overstimulation of the nipples, can cause spontaneous lactation, even in men, sometimes cis men. So, was the substance white and milky? Was it clear if white and milky or even just a little bit cloudy? All right, you may have induced lactation. You may have that superpower where you are very easily induced where lactation is concerned. Or, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, there's a small chance you could have some other underlying health condition, a thyroid condition, kidney or liver disease, even a tumor. And there's a thing called idiopathic galactorrhea which sounds like a sexually transmitted infection, but is not. It is a chronic, non-threatening health condition that makes a person, a woman, particularly sensitive to the hormone prolactin, which is a hormone that plays an enormous role in the production of breast milk. Even a small, naturally occurring spike in your prolactin levels could result in you if you have idiopathic glacteria beginning to lactate, beginning to produce breast milk all of a sudden. If you are concerned... See a doctor, get your hormone levels checked, rule out underlying health conditions. And if this is just the way you are wired, where you can easily induce lactation, nothing to worry about. Keep enjoying your suction toys on your nipples. And yeah, there are lactation fetishists out there who would definitely, if this is your superpower, want to meet you
2: hey dan i'm a bi female from the midwest in um, my mid-30s and i just have a question about how do you know if you're in good working order i've recently gone through a lot of different life changes i lost my parents in the last three years i I got divorced um, which was a pretty amicable process but still pretty hard and then had a rebound relationship that ended leaving me really really scarred emotionally. And so now I'm dating and fucking around and having a great time, but I keep having these kind of like emotional freakouts where I just I don't know if I'm ready, I don't know if this is the right thing for me to do. But I really do crave connection and love and sex, and (laughs) I don't want to just wall myself up in a tower. But yeah, I just don't, I don't, I worry that I'm going to be too much for, for any partner to deal with because I just, I still am grieving a lot of this, a lot of these changes. And more specifically, right now, I'm involved with a poly guy and he's married and I've met his wife and she's lovely and it seems like everything's fine with that. I just, I kind of worry like what happens if I really fall for him or vice versa, if he really falls for me, like what happens if this progresses beyond just kind of this, you know, NRE infatuation, like we've, gotten together and had just fucking great sex and he's really funny and really fun and i have a really great time with him but i just i find myself getting really worried that i'm gonna get hurt because at the end of the day i'm still a second i'm a side i'm not the main so he's not the only person i'm seeing i am seeing some other people and that kind of helps offset that. And in a way, I kind of like knowing that he's not going to demand a lot of me. But yeah, I just, I just really want to avoid getting hurt. And I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are. What's your take?
3: How do you know when you're in good working order? It's not as easy as saying, well, when you know, you know, because some people are convinced they're in good working order and they're not. We've all known people who think that they're in perfect working order and believe that everybody that they've ever encountered, everybody that they've ever dated, everybody that they've ever been married to, everybody that they've ever sat down next to on a bus or a subway or an airplane or in a meeting at work in a conference room has been a total toxic, narcissistic mess. Mm, Yeah. If you think you're in perfect working order and everybody else you've ever encountered, is out to get you or is a terrible person, you're probably not in perfect working order. You're probably not in good working order. So it's not enough to say, you know, self-assess, and then you'll know whether you're in good working order because you have to balance what it is that you know about yourself or think you know about yourself with the feedback that you might get from other people, from friends, from family, from people that you're dating, all of whom may have ulterior motives, some of whom may be toxic, narcissistic underminers who are trying to destroy your life. So then go find a non-toxic, non-narcissistic therapist that you can unpack these things with. And with all the information, you know, what you've gleaned through self-assessment, what you've gleaned through conversations with friends, family, lovers, boyfriends, girlfriends, exes, you can make a conclusion, come to a conclusion about whether you're not in perfect working order. Nobody is in perfect working order, but good enough working order. If you're dating this poly guy and things are going really well and you're enjoying the relationship and the sex is amazing and the NRE is good and dating other people at the same time and your life isn't a toxic shit show, if you have the bandwidth to date multiple people and date this poly guy too and be thinking about what that might mean for the future... Sounds to me like you're in good enough or close enough to good enough working order. That said, self-assessment. You say you've had some emotional freakouts lately. I think you're entitled to a few meltdowns. The top stressful experiences in a person's life. Losing a parent, you lost both. Getting a divorce, even an amicable divorce. You've been under a lot of stress and strain. And my heart goes out to you, and I'm sorry for your loss, for your losses, plural, of both of your parents. And so just because you've had a couple of meltdowns, just because you've had a couple of emotional freakouts, I don't think you should conclude, especially with the other facts and evidence here, these relationships that you're juggling, the multiple relationships that you're juggling at the moment, that you aren't in good enough working order. Seems to me that you're close enough, like I said, to good enough to keep seeing this guy. As for the future you might have with this guy, the one guy that you're seeing who's in an open poly relationship, your concerns are completely valid about whether, you know, if you fell in love with him and wanted to be with him, whether you would always be a secondary partner. That's not something I think you can conclude based on just knowing that he had a partner before you came along. What kind of polyamory are they practicing? is it explicit? Has he made it clear that his current partner is his primary partner and they practice a kind of hierarchical polyamory where anybody they date outside the relationship is, you know, that's a lesser relationship, a lesser connection. You know, do they only spend the holidays with each other? Will you never meet their kids or their family? Will you never be included as family at those times of year, at those life events when family, including romantic partners, who are family, are included. And if the answer is no and that's unacceptable to you, okay, well you can tell him that and then maybe that's a conversation he needs to have with his primary partner. Maybe they will move toward a more non-hierarchical form of polyamory for you if that's what he wants and that's the only kind of relationship model that you would accept, or you can move away from this relationship. Considering all you've been through lately, I feel like you should give yourself a break and you shouldn't stress yourself out about where this relationship might be going. And you should enjoy for now where this relationship is. You really like this guy. The sex is great you're enjoying the NRE. When the NRE begins to wear off, then, then you could have some conversations about what the future might look like. If indeed at that point, you're still interested in having a future together with him and his partner. This episode is brought to you by Dipsy. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. I hear from women all the time who are looking for ways to get turned on that fits their personal erotic style. If you are the kind of woman who is into erotica, if you would rather read than watch, like me, try listening to the sexy stories at Dipsy. They're for you. Dipsy brings sexy scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second-chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, rough and wild sex, and hot and heavy hookups, all at Dipsy. It's radically inclusive. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% of Dipsy stories right now are voice acted by people of color. Really great voices. Nancy, who's got a really great voice herself, loves them new content is released every week so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again you can always find something new to fall in love with and add to your regular rotation they also have soothing sleep stories wellness sessions and sexy stories that you can read and they have a section on self-touch with tutorials on sensation play edging and discovering new ways to get yourself there let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice things up for your me time, explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of the Savage Lovecast, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day trial when you go to dipsystories.com savage. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com savage. Let them know the Lovecast sent you. Go to dipsystories.com slash savage savage.
4: Hi, Dan. I just had a shower thought I wanted to share. Are mediocre men using the insult cuck now because it's not socially acceptable for them to call, or not as socially acceptable as it used to be for them to call other men gay or faggots?
3: What's interesting about the guys who are calling other guys cuck as an insult is that most of the guys throwing cuck around as an insult are conservatives, conservative commentators, conservatives all over Twitter and Facebook. And as Justin Lee Miller demonstrated in his research into what turns people on in his book, uh, he summarized this research. His book is called Tell Me What You Want. Conservatives are likelier to have fantasies about non-monogamy, about cuckolding, about cheating than liberals are. So conservatives are often, I think, projecting when they insult you know, conservative men are projecting when they insult other men by calling them cucks. And you know, when you're talking about American conservatives, you don't have to flip over many rocks before you uncover the racism. A lot of people understand cuckolding to include a a racial dynamic where it's a white man watching his wife have sex with a black man, be fucked by a black man. So, hardwired into the cuck insult for a lot of conservative men is the accusation that you're the kind of, I guess, pathetic race trader that wants to see your wife sleep with a black guy, be pleasured by a black guy, which makes you not only inadequate as a man, but also a kind of, I guess, race traitor. Ugh. Cuck emerged or began to be popularized as an insult online and offline by conservatives a few years ago, probably about five, six, seven, eight years ago, when there was a black president in the White House for the first time. Coincidence? Uh, I don't think so. And the impression I get from the people who are throwing the word cuck around is that they're not shy about using other insults that somebody who's using the word cock is not using it in place of the word faggot. Indeed, cock could be seen as faggot adjacent because there's something about being the kind of man who wants to watch another man fuck your wife because some part of you. So the accusation of being a cuck goes is turned on, not just by your wife, but by the guy who's fucking your wife that you are attracted to him too, or them together in a way at that moment that is kind of sort of faggoty, kind of sort of gay. So I don't think Cuck has taken the place of the word faggot as an insult or the kind of straight guys who would use Cuck as an insult. I think Cuck has taken its place beside faggot as an insult. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian Trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience And with Meridian, Trimmer, you can get one today.
1: Hi, Dan. My boyfriend and I have been together for a year and four months. We get along very well, have similar lifestyles and daily goals. We both have very stable jobs and amazing sex. Prior to meeting him on Hinge, I'd been single and dating for about five years since my last serious relationship. My boyfriend had been separated from his wife for about a year and had just recently started exploring dating when we met. Him and his ex are amazing co-parents. His kids are eight and four. Before we went on a date, I asked if he was open to having more children. He said, yes, he's open to it, but that wasn't something he had thought a lot about at this point in his life. Throughout our relationship, we've communicated frequently about it, talked to our friends and family about it, talked to our respective therapists about it at length, and we still don't know exactly what to do about this. His reasons for not being able to commit to this are 100% valid. He's worried about finances, logistics, dynamics, and most of all, how his kids would feel. I don't want to dismiss any of those feelings at all, but my thoughts about it are that we're both very financially stable and emotionally conscious and that it would work out. Although my boyfriend and I have continued feeling more and more in love and committed to each other, I believe that his willingness to someday have a baby with me is decreasing. I don't know what to do because I love him and our relationship so much, and I just don't know if I could ever get over not having a baby if he decided that he did not want to have one. I've somewhat settled on waiting until May to break up with him unless he will commit to trying for a baby in our future, but I have extreme anxiety every day about this. Should I just break up with him now? I hate to have a scarcity mentality, and I know that I won't die alone, but I have done a lot of dating over the last five years, and he's 100%. My .91 that I can round up to a one, and breaking up with him doesn't guarantee that I'll find a suitable partner in the limited time that I have. Should I try harder to picture my life without having a baby, which might still happen even if we break up? His kids are wonderful, but I know that being a bonus mom to them won't fulfill... The desire that I have. I've heard you tell other callers in similar situations to give this more time, but I feel like I don't have the time at my age. I know this isn't black and white and many women have babies in their late thirties. Please help me make this decision and be peace with it.
3: I don't know if I can help you make this decision and be at peace with it myself. I don't know if I could be at peace with helping you make this decision because what if I urge you to to decide to break up with this guy and then you never meet somebody else that you feel like you want to have a baby with, that you feel this strongly about. And yeah, that would be not great. And what if I urge you to stay with this guy and give him more time to come around and he consciously or subconsciously runs out the clock or just circumstances conspire to run out the clock and you reach a point where it's not possible for you to have a child. Uh, If what you want is a child, I think you should have a child with him or without him. And you should throw that down. If this really is non-negotiable for you, if you imagine yourself 10, 20 years in the future still with him, but not having had a child, of your own with him, together with him. And you can't picture that without seeing yourself seething with resentment, the kind of resentment that would probably result in you two divorcing at some point before 10 or 20 years had gone by. Well then issue that ultimatum. Look, we've been dating for a year and a half. Tick, tick, tick. My biological clock is ticking. If you're going to be with me, I'm going to have a child. With or without you, I'm going to have a child by sperm donation as a single mother or with you or some other man to be named later, some other man that I hope to meet after we break up, if you know for sure that you are not willing to have another child. Somebody's going to have to pay a pretty steep price of admission here. You're either going to have to let go of your dream of having a baby of your own, or he's going to have to come around and have agree to have that baby with you or you're going to lose each other. So I guess I am hoping you were trying to help you make this decision here. It's ultimatum issuing time. Look, is he worth it? Is having him worth not having a baby? If the answer to that question is no issue, that ultimatum and end this relationship now because tick, tick, tick your biological clock Is ticking. And if he agrees to have a baby with you because he wants to stay in this relationship, that has to be put on a timeline. A baby with you when? Not, I agree to hypothetically at some point in the future revisit this conversation about setting a timeline to possibly having a baby with you. No, it has to be, we're going to start in. You say you've been dating for a year and a half, six months. That would seem reasonable to me, but what would seem reasonable to him? What price of admission is he willing to pay to be with you? And what price of admission are you willing to pay to be with him? And if childless isn't, you know, a child of your own, isn't a price of admission you're willing to pay, make that clear, get some clarity yourself on that with your therapist and then communicate that to him. When me and mine conk out, we do so very happily on our Helix Sleep mattress. You can't have my husband or his boyfriend or my boyfriend. Well, not for keeps, but you can have and should get our mattress. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup offers 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, even a mattress made just for kids. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. We got the Midnight Luxe model. Actually, we got two of them because we wanted medium firmness. And we tend to thrash around a little bit in our sleep at night. And sometimes we do a little bit of thrashing before we go to sleep. It was such an improvement the Helix mattress over our old mattress. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. You can try out your new Helix mattress, see how your body adjusts, and if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. Plus, Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. And remember, you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Helix is offering up to 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for my listeners. Go to helixsleep.com savage. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long. Go and get it. With Helix, better sleep starts
0: now. Hey, Dan, late 20s, straightish, poly guy calling from California. I've been seeing a new partner over the last couple of months with an explicit kind of focus on long-term potential compatibility and potentially being co-parents, kind of both reaching a point in our life where that seems of interest. And on most of the fronts related to that, we seemed pretty compatible. Obviously, we're a few months in, so it's far too early to really say, but, you know, generally screen light on life philosophy, getting along well, similar career paths, similar philosophy on child rearing, all of that. But the problem is, we don't seem to have that much physical chemistry. I mean, physical chemistry in a pretty literal sense. Normally, I find that I am drawn to pussy like a hummingbird to the flower. But in this case, I am just not. And I'm not sure of the extent to which that is something we can overcome. We're both poly, both have other partners. And so like, An exciting sex life is something that is not something I'm worried about lacking, but I think it would be pretty good to have that in a co-parent. And I'm not sure the extent to which this is something that I can change about myself. I don't imagine it's something she can change about herself in terms of what is the biochemistry going on, what is the smells and tastes of the pussy. I imagine this is not exactly your area of expertise, but uh, any callers who have had experience going from averse to a particular set of body biochemistry to becoming more open to it, or even ideally learning to love a uh, different smell and taste profile than one has typically experienced.
3: If she doesn't do it for you, if her smell and taste profile don't do it for you, if when you attempt to go down on her, you aren't excited about pushing your face like a hummingbird into a flower, pushing your face into her pussy, then yeah, yeah, go find somebody else you want to have this kind of connection with a co-parent you want to have a strong sexual connection with a co-parent not always necessary particularly in polyland there are some people whose nesting partners who parent together with primary partners and that relationship isn't necessarily about a strong sexual connection it's about a strong connection around shared values around Uh, the kinds of parents you want to be, the way you want to raise your kids around larger life goals. And those people sometimes seek sexual fulfillment and crazy off the hook, strong smell and taste profile connections with others. But if what you want is that kind of connection with the person that you hope to parent with in the future, all right, that's not something you have with this particular potential co-parent. So you should Go find that with someone else or go check with the women whose pussies you can't keep your nose out of, you little hummingbird, about whether they want to have kids and if they want to have kids, how they want to raise those kids and see if on the parenting profile side, you aren't in closer alignment with some of the people that on the smell and taste profiling side, you're already in close alignment with. But yeah, don't drag this out. You know, that ephemeral, hard-to-define chemical thing where you just can't get enough of somebody, where you really do want to taste them, inhale them, drink their spit, eat their holes. I, as a gay man, I certainly understand what that is like and that that can't be faked. It's not necessary. You don't have to have that with someone that you partner with. But if... You think it's necessary. If you want to have that with someone that you partner with and you don't have that with this woman after three to six months together, whatever it is, don't draw it out. Don't keep her hanging out, waiting for that chemical attraction, that chemical pull to kick into gear when you know it's not going to. Because when it's not there, it's not there. You either want to push your face into somebody's hole or holes or you don't. And you don't, in her case. Go find somebody else, somebody that you do wanna push your face into their holes and have a baby with. And Jesus, what is it lately? Or maybe I'm just noticing it more lately. Maybe it's always been there. But what is it with polyamorous people not knowing when to say when, not knowing when, Kenny Rogers, to fold them, when to walk away, sometimes when to run. Just because you can have more than one relationship doesn't mean you should keep a relationship that isn't working for whatever reason, endlessly on life support, just because you don't have to end something doesn't mean you shouldn't end something or you're not allowed to end something or you have to continuously work on a relationship, you know, monogamous people with monogamy meaning not one for life, but one at a time have to end a relationship before they begin a new one polyamorous people potentially never, I guess, have to end a relationship because you can have infinity number of relationships. And it can be a trap that people fall into where they just don't end relationships that they should because they don't have to. Seems to me that if there isn't sexual chemistry, that kind of attraction, that kind of pull, And you want that relationship to be your primary relationship and you want it to be a sexually fulfilling one. Well, end it and go find someone that you have that kind of connection with. And don't torture this poor woman who wants to have kids by keeping her hanging around, waiting for that ephemeral whatever to kick into gear when it's not going to kick into gear as her biological clock ticks down.
4: Hey, I am a... 27-year-old queer female-identifying person in Chicago. And I just went on a date last night with a lovely couple. They disclosed to me that one of them had been testing positive for HPV for like two years, I guess, and just started testing negative recently. However, they were having, I believe, like fluid-bonded sex with their partner. So he feels like, well, I might have it, but I can't get tested, which is really frustrating. Why can't they get tested? And then what should I do? I know it's like communicated by skin, like genitalia. I mean, it's his genitalia, but like that that is the skin-to-skin contact that I would need to be concerned about, but yeah, I guess I'm just wondering like what do I do? What should I be concerned about? What should I prepare myself for?
3: You're 27 years old. There are ways that you can prepare yourself. The people who really should have prepared you for this moment, your parents. Your parents, when you were a teenager not too long ago, should have gotten you vaccinated against HPV. Rates of cervical cancer have plummeted. I think, I haven't looked it up recently, down by 70% over the last decade and change because of the HPV vaccine. If you weren't vaccinated, when you were a teenager. It's not too late for you to get the HPV vaccine now. I think it's a course of shots, two or three shots. It takes a few months uh, to be fully vaccinated. You may have already been exposed. If you're a sexually active adult, HPV is really common. An HPV infection doesn't automatically lead to cervical cancer or throat cancer or butt cancer. In a tiny percentage of cases, it does. So thank God we have this vaccine now that can prevent a huge number of those tiny percentage of HPV infections progressing to cervical, anal, oral cancers. Go get vaccinated. There's not a test that males can take. When they do an HPV test on a woman, they take cells from the cervix. And it took me two seconds to look that up on Google because I knew there wasn't a test for males to look up on Google, Dr. Google, and the CDC's website, why you can't test males. And it is because the skin of the penis is too thick to gather the kinds of cells you need to do an accurate HPV test. So we tend to know a male has HPV when a male, a penis haver, not halver, which is how I sometimes pronounce it, haver. Although you can find halved penises on the internet. That is a thing that people sometimes do to themselves. That is a body modification that I do not endorse sorry for that digression, which is why they don't recommend that penis havers get HPV tests. We know that somebody with a penis has HPV when they develop warts. We also know that somebody who's has a penis whose partner has HPV is likely to have been exposed. Not every exposure, even multiple repeated exposures leads to an active infection. Now the woman in this couple, and good on them for disclosing that one of them had HPV, HPV, in many people, is forever. HPV in some people, they have an outbreak, they get treated, they get the warts burned off, and they continue to get tested, and they stop testing positive for HPV. In some people, some women, because only women can be tested for HPV, they shed the virus. They're not shed the virus. They are no longer infected. Their body eliminates the virus from their system. If she's been testing negative for two years, probably she is no longer positive for HPV. The irony and paradox always in a case like this is you could run from this couple that told you they have HPV and land in the bed of another couple that didn't tell you that one of them had or has HPV or that don't know that one or both of them have HPV. So common is this infection. And so consequential in a tiny percentage of cases is this infection that everyone, male and female, as children, as tweens and teenagers, should get the HPV vaccine. And if you're an adult and you didn't get the HPV vaccine, it is not too late to go get the HPV vaccine. Even if you've had HPV, it's not too late because the vaccine protects you against multiple different strains of HPV, some of which you may not have been exposed to yet.
0: Hey, Dan, I'm a tech savvy at-risk I'm a
4: 32-year-old queer man in Seattle. I recently matched
3: with a polyamorous friend's partner on Tinder.
0: I'm much closer with my friend than the person that I matched with. I feel obligated to clear it with her first. Am I?
3: Or am I overthinking this? You matched with your poly friend's partner. You say to the person that you matched with, your poly friend's partner, hey, I'm really close friends with your partner. Is this okay with her? Would she mind? See what the person you matched with says. And if they have some sort of, you know, no fucking around with people who are our friends, no coworkers, you know, nobody in our time zone, that person should disclose that to you at that time. If they say it's fine that this isn't a violation of the, their boundaries or their their rules for their open relationship. That seems to me then something that you could confirm with your friend. But I would ask first the person you matched with, Hey, I'm friends with your partner. Is this cool? They say, yes, my partner's totally fine with it. Go ask your friend. Hey, I matched with your partner. Is that a problem? Can I fuck them? And can we all still be friends then? Or is that going to be weird? And if either of them think it's weird, You know, It's possible that the person you match with doesn't know that you're close friends with their partner and would feel weird fucking you even if it's allowed or if your friend thinks it's weird if you fucked her partner because that would screw up her relationship with you. If either thinks they're weird, it seems to me that even if neither of them are expressing that weirdness or using that weirdness to justify a veto, you should veto this. Plenty of other queer people for you to go fuck who aren't in relationships with close friends. So, you know, to answer your question, are you obligated to clear it with her first? I don't necessarily think so. I don't think you're obligated, but I think that you should. I think friendship is not just about, you know, baseline obligations. Friendship is about going that extra distance. Friendship is about being considerate of somebody else's... Feelings and even sometimes attempting to game out or anticipate how they might feel about something and what a rational feeling might be that they could have about something that you might want to do. And it's not hard to game out a situation where your friend would feel uncomfortable with this. And so you would want to check in first. And you might find out after you check in that it's not a problem and they've fucked plenty of each other's friends. But a lot of people out there have issues with their partners fucking their friends or their exes. And so I think you need to do your screw diligence here and run this to ground. All right, before we get to your response calls this week, let's check in on the comments on last week's show at savage.love. Says Tipsy Pilgrim, the woman who went on the first date with a seated, very likely short man who never stood up. Dan, she was calling to ask if she should contact him again to tell him she thought he was hot. And you said, no, Dan is in the wrong on this one. Thus far, she'd only contacted him after the date to make sure he was okay after a COVID scare. She should also call to at least ask him out since she's interested. Says Ela. Dan, I think you really missed the mark with caller number two this week, who is struggling with missing her ex despite leaving him because of the ways he mistreated her. It sounds very much like she was in a coercively controlling relationship for nine years, and living in that situation seriously messes with people's minds, especially the experience of still loving someone who sometimes treats you so Badly. Caller, I hope you see this and do some research into what coercive control is. And if there's any chance that you are in such a relationship, please don't go back. Thank you, Ela, for the download about coercively controlling relationships. But I also told that caller not to go back to her ex. I didn't name check coercively controlling relationships, CCRs. But given that we gave her the same advice, don't go back. How can you say my advice entirely missed the mark? And finally, I rattled off the names of some good people from Tennessee last week at the top of the show, Dolly Parton, Al Gore, Aretha Franklin, but Virginia took to the website to call me out for leaving someone very important off that list. Notable Tennessee progressives, Dan, without mention of Taylor Swift. Come on. Ooh, yeah, that was an oversight. Sorry about that. Sorry, Virginia, and sorry, of course, to you too, Taylor. Please don't write a song about me. Thanks to everyone who commented on the show this week. It's savage.love. I read your comments. I love them. Please keep them coming. And thanks for posting about the show to your own social media accounts this week. We really appreciate that. And now, something else we really appreciate, listener response calls.
4: This is a response for the call in 855 from the guy who was wondering if it was okay for him to have told his ex-girlfriend that he wasn't initially attracted to her. And I agree with with what Dan said, but also this girl asked a question that she knew she was only capable of handling one answer to. So know yourself a little better than that. Don't be the partner that asks a question that is really just testing your partner that you're still going to be unhappy about three years later. Don't set yourself up for that.
2: I have a suggestion for the guy in the relationship uh, with the woman who won't admit to cheating. As it sounds like you have a good sexual relationship with her, why not try bringing it up during sex? I mean, in a time when you're feeling really close and things are kind of exciting. Sometimes I find transgressive things are easier to talk about if you're being sexy about them. And maybe you could give her an opening to talk about what a bad girl she's been and you could admit to what a bad boy you've been. I'm not sure if that's a dynamic you've already tried, but it might give you the opening, and then you can decide afterwards if it kind of leads into an honest talk afterwards or if you just keep it as something that's a sexy secret between the two of you.
4: Hi, I have a response for the lady whose date didn't stand up from the table, um, and her immediate assumption was that he was short, which you didn't question at all, but my immediate thought when I heard this was that he had probably soiled himself in some way, either with pee or poo or pre-cum, or maybe he had a boner. But I think that's way more probable than being short. And that the reason he didn't contact her afterwards was just out of pure embarrassment
3: and we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? You can go to savage.love slash askdan right now to record your question or your comment or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love or leave us a voicemail at 206-302-2064. Tomorrow, I am hosting an AMA and ask me anything over at savage.love. It's simple. You post your question, any question in the comment thread, and I will try to answer as many as I can get to in 90 minutes with one hand. My AMA kicks off tomorrow, Wednesday, March 22nd, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern at savage.love slash savage love. We will see you there. Hump, my dirty little porn film festival is touring theaters now long beach denver bellingham albuquerque eugene madison and chicago you're all up next go to humpfilmfest.com to get tickets to a screening in your town now and to my listeners in europe hump is finally coming to you go to Filmfest.com slash europe for tickets to hump's upcoming screenings in vienna brussels zurich berlin and munich Follow me on Instagram at Dan Savage, where I now have more than one hundred fifty thousand followers. Thank you all for that. And follow me still on Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Paul Shear on Twitter at Paul Shear. The Savage Love Cast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week we're installment of the Savage Love Cast. Thank you for downloading.